Hi, I'm Brett Hickey, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital, here with the Harvard Alumni Entrepreneurs Group. Excited to be uh, sharing experiences and stories with uh, Barry Merrick, co-founder and CEO of Ivy. Uh, we want to really talk, Barry, about how you built your business and also how you've approached strategically financing the growth of your business and to share you know, real stories with other business owners and aspiring business owners uh, to share lessons and how they can better build their businesses. So with that, tell us a little bit about your background and journey in building Ivy and then we'll get into the financing your growth. Perfect, thanks for having me, excited to be here. So my journey, I was born in Turkey originally in Istanbul at age 11, moved to Scotland with my family to Glasgow. That's not a regular migration route. Pretty much <laughs> no one moves from Istanbul to Glasgow, but I did that with my close family. When I moved, I was the only foreigner in my school. I didn't speak the language and it was a very tough transition. So what it sure. ended up helping me do is to really reflect deeply from a young age on what it means to be part of a community, mm -hmm. what brings people together that have very little in common, mm -hmm. and uh, the importance of creating welcoming environments. So lived in Scotland for seven years, adapted by the end, and <laughs> felt fully Scottish, and people you know, felt like I was 100% Scottish. But obviously, you're never like one place or another. Then I got to come to the US for undergrad at Brown University, loved that experience, worked at Morgan Stanley for a few years in London, came back for Harvard Business School. And being back at school for business school as an adult this time made me reflect very deeply on what I wanted to do with the rest of my life mm -hmm. and it eventually led to Ivy. So the realization I had is that in incredible collegiate environments like HBS and Brown, you have this environment where everyone's a classmate, mm -hmm. which means that each person you meet might become a lifelong friend, a business partner, a thought partner that changes the course of your life or mm -hmm. all, of, all of the above. <clears throat> and every day you wake up and you're learning amazing things, which is great for your personal development and professional development. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the time is the most social, most fun time ever. So I thought that kind of experience shouldn't just be limited to when you're mm -hmm. in school. It's gotta be something that's lifelong and global. Mm -hmm. So we started Ivy with a business school classmate, Philip. And uh, it's been six and a half years. Uh, here in New York City was where it started. And since then we've gone to eight cities around the world. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember um, back when I was doing the OPM program and you guys were iterating through your, your business plan, it's been fascinating to see you grow and also to share with people that whatever you start with is your business plan. It's not just like this, the proverbial hockey stick, that it's a, it's a journey of rethinking, recalibrating, and really continuing to execute against your business. Um, so it's been, been fun to see the awesome success that you guys have had. Talk to us a little bit about how you have financially built your company? How have you financed it? What kind of sacrifices did you guys make personally? What's the reality of building a business and then taking it to the next level? Yeah, so to your point um, about iterating and learning, um, that's exactly what a business is, especially a startup. It's like a, a science experiment. And if you're persevering enough, you'll finally do the experiment in a way that works the right way, but you need fuel to run those experiments and that's where the financing comes in. Um, so for me, the way I see this process is, on the one hand, you wanna learn really what the world needs, mm -hmm. right? And then really what do you care about? So the process of learning and growth is a two-way street. So the more you try to offer to something to the world, you get feedback on what the world really wants, mm -hmm. but you're also really realizing what am I truly passionate about? What am I 
really onto here? What's the essence of this idea? Mm -hmm. So actually, it's uh, almost getting to like the purest level of like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do because this is what the world needs. Mm -hmm. That takes time. So once we started, um, we initially bootstrapped with whatever money we had left after <laughs> going to business school, which wasn't a lot. Um, and you know, we, but even with that amount of money, we still were able to create a prototype, something that people could buy, something that people could give uh, feedback on, most importantly, a way that we could actually serve people as opposed to talking about it. And when you don't have the resources anyway, you don't have a choice but be as nimble as possible mm -hmm. to get that feedback. As we got more feedback, we refined, we kept um, iterating to be better, but also our story got better and better. There was more to talk about. Mm -hmm. Here is what customers are thinking. Here's how many customers we have. Here are the improvements we made. The more we had those stories of development, you know, the results of these experiments, more and more people that got excited about not just us and our story mm -hmm. and our vision, but also around the data that we were creating around that. So over the last few years, it's been a constant process of getting new data points and not always improvements, a lot of times also setbacks, what doesn't work, and then essentially having individuals who really believed in that to back us and you know continuing to grow. And this. that's that's a good point that you just made. When when people we talked earlier with uh, another HBS grad, um, Justin, and building his business and being realistic about planning and budgeting, and where you share a really good piece of information that not everything you try to invest in from a growth perspective is going to work out. So you need to budget and plan accordingly to say, hey, some of the things probably aren't going to work out at least perfectly. Right. And so taking a step back or investing additional capital. And so how have you guys approached capitalization? Uh, I think some of your members and people that are believers in your business and then know it and are users um, are some yeah. of your investors. Is that yeah, right? So we started bootstrapping mm -hmm. and then friends and family. Mm -hmm. And then from there, people who were serial entrepreneurs, who had done this many, many times before. Also people who were very comfortable investing in earlier stage startups. So our criteria was always, can this person really add value above and beyond the capital? Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, uh, is there, you know, is, there, is this somebody that I would, if I were partnering with just one person, would I still partner with this person? Mm -hmm. Based on that criteria, and soon after, as we had more members and so forth, then we had actual customers who became investors as well, or they actually pointed us to people who are big investors, big family offices and so forth that also believed in what we did. That's so um, the nature of our business, we're very public facing, it's very experiential. Mm -hmm. So people get to feel it mm -hmm. and therefore they can have the level of, or close to the level of conviction that we have on wanting to see this succeed. We've specifically though, to your question, mm -hmm. haven't taken institutional capital. Mm -hmm. um, it was never like a decision like we want to do it, but it's like the market. So we had demand from individuals who are mm -hmm. high value add and who wanted to be a part of this at an individual level. So we've gone with that. That's great. And I think you, you've had a, a different journey as I've observed because of your business model where you're creating this ecosystem and transfer trust with, you know, not always, but often people that are quite affluent is a good, good subset of your members, that that has naturally led to a good investor base. But I think you, 
you also um, have been able to do something in creating that transfer of trust that I think is worth sharing with other business owners as they're building their businesses. You said that it was people that knew you, were trusting you, experiencing it, and then the transfer of trust where they were introducing to other people. So as other business owners think about financing the growth of their business, understanding that if it's especially earlier on, people need to trust you. In the capital business as fiduciaries with us as institutions, for example, trust is huge. It's huge with our investors in us and huge in who we're investing in. And so when people are thinking about looking for financing, thinking about who can you build that trust with the easiest. Um, let's give one other good uh, learning lesson, yeah. Barry, from, from your uh, journey. And I, I was just thinking as well of when you and Philip, I think you guys were roommates when you were building the business. And I remember when I started my, um, my business about a decade ago as well, I had a one of my partners lived with me and said, hey, why don't we cut costs and we'll move in and everything you can do to you know, save, a, save a nickel or a dime to build a business. So it's been, been really great to see. What's a learning lesson you've had operationally that doesn't necessarily mean it went bad, but that you would share with other people that in hindsight, you would advise other people to be more mindful of? Yeah. The biggest lesson on that front that I would share, oh, but there are many, many others. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest one is, um, if your goal is to increase your top line revenue, right? By having more customers or more customers, but also more revenue per customer. If you're pushing for that, um, which is a metric that a lot of investors look at, especially in their early stage businesses, mm -hmm. profitability isn't usually demanded. So, you know, you push for this top line. And if you bring in invest investment dollars to fuel that through, for example, hiring salespeople, or doing things that have linear costs, like you know, to do more of it, you have mm -hmm. to spend that much more. You can keep pushing up your revenues consistently, but if your costs are also going up consistently, as long as that lasts, everybody might be cool with that. Mm -hmm. But if you take any kind of a hit to your revenues because something changes in the environment, something that used to work no longer works, or something mm -hmm. else changed externality, the moment the revenues dip, the expenses, especially if they consist of staff, and fixed costs like that, it's very difficult uh, to adjust to that environment because whatever cash balance you had, mm -hmm. all of a sudden if your revenue dipped and you don't immediately bring down your costs, mm -hmm. your cash burn rate can spike. So you know whatever your runway was, it could be halved or actually reduced by you know even more than that. So what I learned from that, the mm -hmm. key lesson is, yes, it's good to push for top line growth, but being super disciplined about, let's say something is working, everyone will demand of you when something is working. Every employee you have will say, hey, we're super slammed now, we need more employees to help do this. And you'll be tempted That's if you That's always the solution, right? Hire more. Yeah, more, hire more, more <laughs> spend more of this. But if, like, so now what we've done, what we do instead is like, if something is working great, and the, the very last thing we do is hire someone. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is great, what can we automate in this process so that less human input is needed? Mm -hmm. That thing is working. How can we do twice as much without actually needing more people? Mm -hmm. Okay, if it totally cannot be automated, how can we outsource elements of it? Mm -hmm. And if we absolutely cannot automate or outsource, if we have to hire someone, if we're hiring that person, how can we get the absolute most out of them? Mm -hmm. The whole point is to you know, like still double the revenue you make per unit, without doubling keep your, your margins. Yeah, exactly, keep your margins. It's super critical. It seems like such common sense and a no-brainer. Yeah. But when you're in that thing of like you're doubling revenues every year, yeah. everybody, like you feel like a champion, people treat you like a champion. 
But the truth is that mm -hmm. you know if you're not getting that margin increase, you're very susceptible a to lot any of risk. kind of a hit. Well, it's, it's great advice, and I know uh, Lindsay uh, earlier with Wealthy was talking about the same thing, how you can almost feel anxious if you have the opportunity to grow really quickly, to not grow, not raise a lot of money. But you know, WeWork was probably a really good recent example of sometimes it can play out well if you grow really quickly, unprofitably, but not always. If you hit any little hiccup, that can obviously have big challenges. So being mindful of when people are growing their businesses, growing it prudently should at least be part of your analysis. And if you're going to grow it in a high-risk manner, at least be cognizant that it is very high-risk because you can have little bumps and how's that going to work. And then also from a talent management perspective, the pressure as a business owner to always, as a solution, just say, well, hire more, right? Just hire more people and solve you know, more problems that way. But if you continue to scale your business that way, it's once again hard to scale it profitably. So how do we scale our businesses thinking about operational efficiencies at all times so that it's a business that can hopefully weather the storm and we hope that um, and I'm assuming Ivy will weather many storms and build into a great business and Barry thank you for sharing I hope uh, everybody had some good learnings and uh, and I guess Ivy is your business is an opportunity for many more learnings and community development and stuff so hopefully other people will take advantage of uh, learning uh, more about Ivy Barry thanks, thanks so a lot much. great to Cheers. be here awesome.